Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Associate Pastor Terry File. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. I'm excited to be here as we continue our series in the Transformational Church series. And so where we've been so far, if you've missed any of the last few weeks, the first week we looked at how we as a church need to have a missional mindset and of radical love so that when we share the good news, we're sharing the love of God with other people. And Jesus said that the proof that we belong to him, to other people, is how we love one another. So we've got to be a church of radical love. Then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at how God raises up and he places in leadership all throughout the church. Not just staff levels, but all throughout the church, God raises up leaders who are to be life-giving leaders so that wherever they serve and lead through this church body, they are leading with Christ-like character. Last week, Pastor Joe led us to think about how River Bluff needs to be a praying church, a prayerfully dependent church to where we seek God's face as a family, we listen for his voice, and we do what he leads us to do. River Bluff needs to be a praying church. So today, I want us to look at another characteristic of a transformational church. And so River Bluff, we need to be a worshiping community. A worshiping community. Now this past weekend, um, my family, we, we took advantage of our son Ben, who was playing guitar in my spot this morning. We took advantage of his, uh, his fall break from CSU, and we went up to the mountains of North Carolina, and uh, Boone, North Carolina to be exact. Uh, Bill, can you click on that picture? And so, this was the view one morning outside of where we were sitting, and uh, Tammy and I were having our quiet times and, and talking and spending time with one another and with the Lord. And if you look at that picture, just what really blew us away is, is of all these mountains out here in hills, this, this cloud through the middle was just kind of working its way across, and it looked like waves. But what it said to us, and what we were reading and studying all that, was reminding us of the glory of God and His presence with us. And how just kind of like the, the smoke and the temple and the glory of the Lord. And so as I was reading at that time, I continued. I've been in a uh, long uh, season of reading straight through Scripture. And so I opened up the Bible where I was and I was in the book of Revelation. So I'm like, wow. So I'm finishing up, and, I, and I'll admit, I've always been a little intimidated by Revelation. You know, dragons and beasts and, you know, seven candles and, and, and those types of things. But when I read it this time, I actually kind of went straight through it and saw it from, from a different perspective, from, from fre- with fresh eyes. And there's so many themes that I wrote down from, from uh, Revelation. One is God, is, God rules, period. Uh, he w- his will will be done. Right, But one of the things that I really walked away with and was reminded of is that as you and I live in the very real presence of God Almighty, who is our Father, we live in His presence forever, we will enjoy Him and worship Him in ways that we cannot fully understand and comprehend right now. So when you read the... Revelation, you get a glimpse into full-on, full-out worship. You get to peek into the very throne room of God and see what worship looks like there and how it impacts how we worship here. 
While I was in the mountains, I also reread a little book that I read about 10 or 15 years ago. It's from Louis Giglio. It's called The Air I Breathe, and the, the whole book is about worship. And I was reminded that everybody worships something. Every person on this planet worships something. Every one of us. We cannot help but worship. Worship is the activity of the human soul. And maybe you've never thought about it like that. Worship is not just a Sunday thing. Worship happens everywhere. All the time. All around us. It's happening right now. It's happening all over the place. In fact, some of the purest forms of worship, if you think about it, are, uh, happen outside the walls of churches uh, and have no reference to the God of creation whatsoever. All you got to do is drop into a concert <laughs> or drop into a sporting event and people are going all out. They're lifting their voices and shouting and screaming and pledging their allegiance and standing in awe. Uh, I heard someone tell me that about 20 years ago they went to a Michael Jackson concert and there are all these, all these young girls down front screaming and, and yelling, Michael, and, and it was like a big scene of worship. And, and what's interesting about that is these venues are filled with these expressions of worship that you find in the scriptures, especially in the book of Psalms. And so, we will all worship something. There's no question about that. The history of mankind has had no shortage of worship. Every culture, every people group, every age has had its idols and gods, trillions of them. Right. So, the compelling question for us is this. Why? Why do we crave something to worship? Why are we drawn from idol to idol, desperately looking for something to adore and to exalt and to, uh, to worship, actually? Well, the Bible's clear, and uh, it's all throughout scriptures. I don't have time this morning to unpack a lot of scriptures for you. We see this, that we were designed for worship. God designed us for worship. And one of the best uh, ways to kind of sum it up is Colossians 1.16. Look at, look at this scripture here. It says this. All things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. So we were made for God by God. Uh, Louis Giglio said it this way, and I, I love this. He said, we were pre-wired to praise so before we even got here, it's like God wired into us, designed us, shaped us to praise. And so we come into the world pre-wired to praise. Worship should matter to us for a lot of different reasons. But here's, here's, here's the one I want to give you this morning. Worship should matter to us because we will always be worshipers. Always. It's what we do. We can't help it. We can't stop it. We can't live without it. But... We get to choose where we direct it. You and I get to choose how and where we invest worship. Because worship simply, there's a lot of different definitions, but simply worship is about affection and about attention. So you may want to write this down. It's not going to come up on the screen if you want to. Here, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, this is just a short, short definition of worship. Worship is centering my mind's attention and my heart's affection on God. Worship is centering my mind's attention, focus, and my heart's affection, love, and adoration on God. 
That's a definition from a man, his name is Bruce Leafblad. He teaches at Southwestern Seminary on worship. And I just love that because it, what it says to me is you and I choose, we decide where to focus. So we focus on who God is and what He has done in our lives. And then because of that, we decide to express our affection, our adoration, our love, our gratitude to God. So go ahead and grab your Bible uh, with me and, and open up to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. And we're going to be just looking at two verses this morning. It's actually on your outline too. And I put it there so that you can kind of uh, work through this. Because we're going to work through these scriptures in our time together this morning. When I think about worship, I, I almost always think about the Psalms. But as I've been reflecting on this over the last, ah, I guess, couple of years now... This passage of scripture right here has captured my heart and has taught me a lot about worship. And I want to mess with you a little bit this morning and share it with you and let's work through this together. So let's look, Hebrews 13, uh, 15 and 16. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Some translations say God is well pleased, right? Now, if you read the context of the surrounding verses, you'll notice that where it says, through him, the him in there is referring to Jesus. So what I would like to do is take his name and insert it in there because I think it will hit us more forcefully this way when we include his name in the text. And it looks like this. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Through Jesus. Now, I want to give you some good news this morning. You guys okay with that? You good with, you like good news? Here's good news. It, we are no longer under uh, any religious system, so to speak. In the past, in the Old Testament, God worshipers had to approach him uh, through a ritualistic system of sacrifices. But not anymore. Because Jesus Christ is the final sacrifice for sin. When I say sin, I'm talking about all sin. He offered himself as one sacrifice for all sins for all time. So when we come to worship God our Father, we're not required any longer to bring a sacrifice in an attempt to make us right with God. Jesus has already done that for us. He has literally, and get this image in your mind, he has literally become the door through which we go to worship God the Father. As a matter of fact, in John 10, Jesus said, I am the gate, I am the door. He refers also to himself like Jacob's ladder. He is, he is the ladder, he is the entrance into the presence of God. So Jesus becomes the door. And so the truth, this truth is important for every one of us in here to grasp because we consistently uh, fail to live the way we should. Can I just say it that way? And so when we fail, here's what happens. The enemy, Satan, comes in and quickly condemns us and whispers and sometimes yells that there's no way you could possibly be a true worshiper of God anymore because of what you just did. But those are lies. We can always come back to God in worship no matter how far we've fallen. And you may wonder, well, how can that be? How? Well, here's the answer. 
through Jesus Christ. That's how. His death on the cross made it possible for us to approach his throne of grace anytime, anywhere. Some of you, if you're checking out, you really need to get this. Some of you need to hear this today because so many people do not know the fullness of what Jesus has done for them. They do not know what the new standing with God in Jesus is fully like in order to break the lies of the deceiver who comes and guilts us. So they try to worship, but condemnation abounds. And shame stifles them. And guilt kind of overwhelms them. And maybe we're not getting the gospel or at least the whole gospel because you, here's the deal. If you are in Jesus, if you belong to God through Jesus, you are free. May not feel like it, but you are. In Jesus, you are eternally forgiven. You're washed clean. You're made new. Uh, you're recreated. He is your life. Nothing can separate you from his love. You are permanently attached to him. Your debt is paid in full. Sin's power has been broken. Death has been defeated. And you are truly alive. Amen? So that in itself, if you really reflect on that, we just need to celebrate and we just need to lose it and just kind of just, God, thank you so much, right? Because these are truths that remind us, that's why we spend so much time focusing on identity at River Bluff. Truths that remind us of what he has accomplished, he, he did it for us. So when we worship, we come through the doorway of Jesus Christ, through him, let us, right? Let's check out what, the, what comes next in the passage. Through Jesus then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Continually. Now wait a minute. God's got to be kidding, right? Continually, like 24-7, all day, all night, we bring him a sacrifice of praise all the time. How is that even possible? Well, maybe... Maybe we just all need to go join a monastery, right? You guys with me? Leave out of here and go, go ahead and apply. And <laughs> or, well, maybe what we need to do is take a deep breath, breathe in and breathe out, and just consider what the writer is suggesting. My men's soap group just finished working through the book of Hebrews. And one of the things you've got to understand is that through the book of Hebrews, he's making a major point to these first to the Hebrews. He's making a point with these first century readers who were very familiar with the sights and the sounds of animal sacrifices. They knew what it smelled like. They knew what it was like to bring it. So they knew what it was like once a week or once or twice a year to bring an animal or a bird or, or whatever to as an offering to God. So they knew this. But it's not like that anymore. So we're no longer talking about a once a week or once or twice a year uh, thing here. We're talking about a re new relationship that allows us into God's presence where we can praise Him and exalt Him at any moment and at any time. On the highway. Be careful, but pay attention. But right, Attention, focus. But on the interstate, in a restaurant, in a dorm room, on the ball field, in a boardroom. Continually means that any time is the right time to praise God. 
That word is so important. Continually, I think, forces us or pushes us to have a major mindset or heart set adjustment. Continually means that every moment is an opportunity to glorify God. Continually gets our worship outside the walls of this building. Continually gets our worship outside of our personal devotion times that we have. Continually gets our worship outside of Christian events and conferences. What it does is it gets our worship into the workplace and into our hangout spots like coffee shops and other places, into, into conversations with family and friends. Continually gets worship, listen to this, into our entertainment choices and into our bank accounts and into our hidden moments and into those dark nights that sometimes we have or into those joyful moments. What God is saying is this, and I know it sounds selfish, but it's just, it's just true. God says everything that you are is me. Everything that you have is from me. The life that you now live is my life that I've given to you in Christ. Remember Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live and thank the Lord, but Christ lives in me. So it's like God is saying, I want worshipers who will constantly reflect, that's a good word for it, reflect my goodness and grace with that life that I've given them. That's what I want. Now, our continual sacrifice of praise. Important word. Are all the, all the time expression of worship, another way to say it, takes two primary shapes. Two primary shapes. Words and deeds. Words and deeds. Now let's look back at the scripture again. And let's see where it takes us. Through Jesus then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, and you may want to underline this, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect, you may want to underline this, doing good and sharing with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So the first part of continual praise, this all-the-time expression of worship to God, is the fruit of our lips, which magnify and honor God. Now, I know that that, that phrase sounds a little odd, the fruit of our lips, but, but I like it. Because I got to thinking about it this way. There is no fruit without some kind of root. Right? There is no fruit without some kind of root. So whatever comes out of my mouth actually comes from the roots that have taken deep inside of my heart and throughout my soul. That's scriptural. That's biblical. It's actually the words of Jesus Jesus says in Luke 6, he says, out of the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. I remember Pastor Kurt used to say, whatever comes, whatever spills out, what, I can't remember it now, I had it down earlier. Whatever you're full of gets, overflows when you get bumped, right? So, you know, kind of deal. It's the same, that's a, that's a, a way Kurt would say it to us. But the, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means this. That means that my praise doesn't just roll off my lips. At any moment, it's not that it just kind of just rolls off my lips without really thinking. It means that praise to God originates deep inside of me from, from the heart 
and from the soul. So what God is looking for is for those of us, and, and I hope that means all of us, He's looking for all of us to soak into His, his Word and, and sink His character deep into the roots of our heart. And so as a result, what happens is we're being transformed. I'm talking about transformational church, but our lives are being transformed more into the likeness of Christ. As we are transformed in that way, true and beautiful expressions of, of praise go to God and adoration for Him come out of our mouths. I think that's what David expressed when he said this in, in Psalm 34.1. Look at this. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Continually in my mouth. So that's verbal. That's, that's lifting our voices that's using our words to, to magnify God, to praise God, to, to give Him glory and honor. And that is a huge part. Two forms, words, right? We, we praise Him with what we say and how we sing and how we respond in that way. But this passage kind of goes on to expand worship to deeds. Where he says, uh, this includes, worship includes uh, acts of compassion and serving sacrifices that really make God happy. So what we're doing here is, I think we get the first part really well. Because we're used to using our words, but what we're doing is we're moving beyond just the fruit of our lips and talking about the fruit of our lives. And the same principle applies here. If we, as, well, say if, as we immerse ourselves in God's Word, as we spend time with Him, as we get into His character and take on the character of Christ, here's what happens. I know it looks a little funny, but, but it starts to grow on the limbs of our tree, so to speak. So it, we're being transformed from the inside out, but it starts showing up on our lives and, and in the things that we do and, and when we take care of people and when we, we care for people and do good and we do the right thing, God is worshipped, His truth is reflected back to Him and it says that when we care for people and do good to people, then He is honored and He is pleased. See, it's a lot easier to sing a song than to stop and go touch the broken. It's a, it's a lot less taxing on us to go to church like we did, we've come to church than to take church to a messy world. But doing good too and sharing with others is a sacrifice, it really is, of worship that makes God smile. Now I'm going back some years here on this but it kind of reminds me of the Casting Crown song Life Song. And part of the chorus says this and I'll sing it to you. Ready? May the words I say and the things I do make my life song sing, bring a smile to you. May the words I say and the things I do bring a smile to you. May my life sing, be a song. There are two primary words for worship in the New Testament. The first one we see in a conversation that Jesus had with a woman at, at uh, a Samaritan woman, he was resting by a common well. She came up. They had a conversation. And so they're in this conversation, and it's in John 4, if you want to look at it later. And at one point, Jesus shares his knowledge of some of her private affairs, which is a little awkward. And so she immediately changes the subject, which is what we do when things get really 
really intense and awkward. And she asks Jesus a question uh, that must have been bothering her for some time. She says, my people, the Samaritans, we worship over here on this mountain. And the Jews, your people, worship over here on this mountain. So she was basically asking, who's right? Which mountain is better? Like, which of these two mountains is the, the true place of worship? And Jesus, in Jesus, pure Jesus form, took the subject to another level. And he answered a where question with a who answer. Uh, I love how Jesus does that kind of stuff. So there's this, he says, basically, there's a time coming where the place, the where, is not really going to matter. And we can hear his words. We can see them in John 4. Look at these. John 4, verses 23 to 24. Jesus said, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers... Now, that must mean that there are some false worshipers. When true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Now, let me stop there for a minute. There is a type of worshiper that God is seeking. I think that should be important for us. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, I don't have time to unpack what all that means. I don't even understand all of what that means, because it's pretty deep. But just in a, in a thumbnail, in the spirit requires that we are alive on the inside. And how do we get alive on the inside? We trust Christ. And we experience a spiritual birth or rebirth. We're born again, right? So we're worshiping God because we're alive on the inside. If we're not alive on the inside, how can we truly worship? In truth, meaning that we worship God as he truly is. And it also means that we're living in his truth. And like we're not living double lives. We're, we're living in his, not perfection, but we're seeking to live according to his teaching. And so what happens is words of praise are amplified by an authentic life. That's in spirit and in truth. That's what that means. And so the word, Jesus says, when he talks about worship there, the word worship there literally means, when we translate it, it literally means to bow down or to kiss the hand uh, or kiss the ring on a king's hand. Right? So you bow down. And what that's all about is that's reverence. That's all. That's... Uh, like an honor or a huge respect. And so for us, we, we bow down and we kiss the king, the hand of the king, who is the king of kings, which is amazing. The other word for worship in the New Testament is less glamorous. It literally means to serve. It is the word that Paul used in Romans 12.1. And he said it this way. Look at this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God... To present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your what? Service of worship. I just want to make sure that they are, I don't see them back there. It scared me there for a minute. It is your service of worship. It is your act of worship. So Paul was saying, look, if you have experienced the mercy of God... And you have experienced his grace and you have experienced his goodness in your life, then here's, here's kind of the response because worship is a response to God. It really is. We don't just, like I said, it just doesn't roll off our lips. God does something and we, we respond, right? 
He shows himself, he teaches us something, and we respond. So what we do, if, if I've experienced, Paul's saying, if you've experienced God's mercy, you've experienced his, his goodness and grace, then offer all of yourself to God in response to all that he has done. So let's face it. Serving is not the first thing we think of when we think of worship, is it? Now, service might be because we see we have church services, right? Services. But serving's not typically the first thing we think of. Louis Giglio said it this way. He said, in God's, in God's economy, worship equals life. Worship equals serving. And so if you think about it, worship is kind of like a life of service. A life of serving. You've probably heard that worship is a lifestyle. That's a phrase that's used a lot. Worship is a lifestyle, and it is. It's also an approach to life. It's also how we as Christ followers, how we respond to God as we go throughout our daily lives. As I told you, worship is a response. We, he does something, we respond in love. God, God, I love you. God, thank you for doing this in my life. God, I, I, I respond in gratitude. I respond in giving. I respond in love and in thanks. Because worship, worship's something that you enter into. It's something that you do. Uh, it's a verb. I want to encourage you, if, especially if you don't have a, reading, a Bible reading plan or something right now, I want to encourage you to start in the Psalms. And I could, I could just tell you so many different things to do while you're in the book of Psalms. One of them is to see every name for God and start highlighting it and, and pointing those things out. But what I'm encouraging you to do today is, as you read through a psalm, is when you see where it says God does something, he's active, highlight what that person says to do. Tell, proclaim, sing, shout, dance. It's in there. Uh, <laughs> right? It's a clap. Yell. You know, that, that type of deal. So it's, it's a very, worship is very active. It is a way of life. Somewhere along the way, we've, been, we've become confused. Uh, at least I'll, I'll say I have. I'm not put it on everybody. We've been confused thinking that worship and songs are the same thing. Uh, so we think that singing songs equals worship and worship equals singing songs. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for worship songs. Uh, I, I think it's just something that God has uh, given me, and, and, and I love being able to use gifts and things to sing to God all about Him, and especially those songs where we sing directly to Him. Because singing is biblical. It's something we do every time that we gather, and we're going to keep doing it. But please hear me on this. A song is not enough. Four to five, we do four songs. If we add a fifth, that's not enough. It is possible to sing praise songs and not truly worship. Happens all the time. It happens for me. Sometimes my mind is focused on how did that sound or oops, I heard this or that or whatever. And I'm just going to tell you, sometimes when we come together as a church, there's so many distractions. We see somebody blows their nose and we, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Somebody makes a noise or yells and we, you know. And so we, what happens is when I'm not focused, my attention goes somewhere else. And, and my affection, sometimes I'm singing, but my affection or focus and adoration is on something else instead of on God. Jesus said it this way. It was a huge disconnect. Jesus, speaking of this idea, said in Matthew 15, 8, he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He was quoting Isaiah 29. 
Now that sounds very negative, but I don't, I'm not giving it to you to be negative. It's just to say that sometimes there's a disconnect here that we can, we can use our lips and we can use our words, but our heart is not engaged. And Jesus said, look, I'm seeing all these religious things these people are doing, but their heart is far from him. That's where Jesus said, look, man, what God wants most is for you to take care of the orphans and the widows, and the, you're cheating people, and, but you're singing these praise songs, and our hearts have to be engaged. The cross demands more. Grace requires that we bring ourselves and we lay ourselves before our merciful God. And so it's me giving God my everything, as much as I know how, that is my only reasonable response for all that He has done and continues to do in my life. And you bringing God your everything is your only reasonable response too. I love how Romans 12.1, we read it in the New American Standard earlier, I love how it's phrased in the message. And I read this a few Sundays ago while we were actually singing. And it says this, look at this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as what? As an offering. Take this whole life, this everyday life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. So what do we offer God? Ourselves. You offer God your life. I offer God my life. This means this. I am the offering. Now sometimes I give an offering, give tithes, give an offering, give to somebody in need, do good on it, but I, and I'm going to keep doing that, but here's the deal. I am the offering. And you are the offering. It's our lips and our lives. What we say and how we live. So according to that verse, what happens when we do that is we become living sacrifices. Thankfully, we don't have to die. Right now, we do have to die to ourselves, right, and receive Christ, but we are alive and we are holy before Him. And so what happens is I become the offering, you become the offering. It's a holy and pleasing thing in God's sight and He is honored with it. And I'm going to just tell you this, that's what He wants more. That's what He wants most. Because if He gives that from you and from me, he gets all of the lips and all of the, all of the singing and all of that, but he wants that most. I love how Louis Giglio says it. Check out this picture. He says, it's not the words I sing, but me I bring. I'm the offering, laid at your feet. My steps the melody, oh so sweet, all of me in praise of thee. Now, Bill, leave that up for a minute because there may be somebody who wants to take a picture or just kind of hold on to that. Most of what I've talked about up to this point has been for us personally. That's because worship is something that you do individually each day throughout your day. It is personal, but worship is also something that we do together. And this is one of my favorite parts because worshiping God together is a beautiful thing as a church family. So, through Jesus, we are reconnected to God, right? And I use the word we. We are reconnected to God. And in Him, we are linked to one another. 
So quite literally, it's a family affair. Right, so we're, we're, a, we're a family. We, I don't know what the rest of that song says, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> but I just know that phrase. It is a family affair. We're his kids. You're my brother, my sister. Like we're connected in Christ. We're linked together. And so we're family. And so what happens is as we come together, this is the cool part. As we come together in worship, and I really want you to just get this part. You bring the same uh, sense of focus that you've had in your personal daily journey with Him. And I bring the same focus and devotion that I've had to Him during the week. And you do that and we do that. And so what happens is we bring that together. Most of my life I thought you went to church to worship. The better way of looking at it, because we say, you know, hey, hey, let's go, we're going to worship. Now I see a better approach. We go worshiping to church. Do you see the difference? Trust me, church is a lot better when our gatherings are filled with people, not perfectly, but who have been seeking the Lord the other six days of the week, and they are pursuing God before they even get here. And so I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to say it as nicely as I can. Church, as a refill to a spiritual empty tank, week in, week out, week in, week out. Sometimes we're weak, and we need that. But if that's, the, that's life, that's a disaster. We've got to worship God and, and seek Him throughout the week. And so corporate worship works best when we arrive with something to offer God. When we come together with anticipation, when we get excited and we get, we're expecting God to show up. River Bluff, I want to challenge you on this. Okay, sometimes, uh, I know that this is the case for so many churches, so I'm just going to say it in general. We go to church and, and then we, it gets two or three songs in and prayers and stuff like that, and then we feel like we're ready. What if we would rather prepare ourselves before we even get, in, get to that door? And next week before we roll up on the park? Just imagine what would happen, what could happen if each one in this congregation was seeking God throughout the week and you might have some sorrow and you might have some happiness, but all of us would come and we would have a story of God's faithfulness in the good times and bad. What could happen if we all came, to, came worshiping to church, readying ourselves before we even got here? Here's what I think would happen. I believe this. The intensity of our collective offering all come together where we bring praise to God, it would be full on. It would be full on. I'm not telling you what that looks like. Okay? And that's scary to some people. But I'm just going to say this. It would be full on. Can you see it? All of our personal streams, you, me, every single one of us, coming together, flowing into a one surging river. We are River Bluff, by the way. Flowing into one, one surging ri river, one mighty anthem, one huge choir, right? Telling, painting a, a beautiful mosaic of all that God is doing in our lives, what He has done, what He is doing, how He's been faithful. And I'm going to just tell you this. People will leave a gathering like that inspired to seek Him like never before, and then they will come back bringing more worship with them, and the whole cycle just starts all over again. You talk about having a transformational church. If each of us would live this way daily, where we live, where we work and play then we would gather eagerly and expectantly. And I'm going to just tell you, watch out. Look out, because God will be pleased in some big ways. Our lives will be transformed. 
we will rub shoulders with people where we are because we're living that life and, and they will wonder what's going on and, and they will say, well, I want what you've got, right? And so River Bluff, we are to be a worshiping community. Our Father is looking for true worshipers who worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. He's looking for those who will honor Him and be in awe of Him and who will obey Him because they love Him. And He's seeking those who will worship Him with their lips and with their lives. May this describe us. May we each offer ourselves completely to Him. May we give Him our all. May we worship Him with everything that we've got. Through Jesus, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, that gives thanks to His name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What is God saying to you this morning? And what do you need to do about it? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this time to gather as your people. I thank you for what you have taught us this morning. And God, you desire more than anything our lives, our hearts. Worship is centering our affection and our attention on you. And we thank you and we praise you. Thank you for what you've taught us this morning. And God, may that change us on the inside and transform our lives to help us become more and more like you. We bring you ourselves as the offering. And Lord, right now in the service, we have this opportunity to actually give back to you what you've blessed us with through tithes and offerings. And so, Father, I pray that you would use this to help more and more people come to know you as their Lord and Savior and leader, the God that they worship. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.